on this episode, episode of JR the P. Yeah. On one hand, it's like, yes, we do have a somewhat social obligation to watch out for people in society that are afflicted and are down on their luck and can't quite do for themselves due to personal circumstance. But yet on the other hand, the bold truth of it is a lot of them are drug addicts. They claim to have mental health issues when they're really just undeveloped adults who need to take accountability for themselves, drop their anger and resentments, get on with their lives. And a lot of them are like a drain on the social fabric, you know, drunks, drug addicts, sexual deviants, roaming the streets, begging, panhandling, you know, mental episodes, violence. I mean, fuck them, you know, if they can't get it together, maybe we should just throw them in the slammer and lock away the key. But we do have a tolerance to at least consider them and try to reach out to them on some level. You see what I mean? As I aforementioned, governmental politicking issues are a ever-stretching shit stain on the undergarments of society. It's a real fuck stain. Not exactly easy to know what to do all the time. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm not an animal, I'm not an animal. Why you guys treat me this way? <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Your mother's cunt. Your mother's cunt. <laughs> the best we can do is, you know, love thy neighbors. We love thyself. Do unto others who will have done unto ourselves. Mind our own business. But we cannot count on the government for anything. They are unaccountable. They're just dummies and dildos and doorknobs and fucking business suits and businesswoman suits who clomp around in high-heeled shoes and leather loafers. And every lunch hour, they squat down into a mahogany wood bathroom stall, whip down their trousers or mini skirts to shat out a $35 shit that was paid for on the taxpayer dime. These dummy dildo dickhead doorknob ignoramuses don't know a damn thing. Fuck them. And the Mercedes-Benz they rolled in on. They are thieving, cynical psychos. I am worthy of love and respect. Hey, old lady. What's happening, fools? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent... June 13th, Monday the 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Hey folks, how you doing? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, that is, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. You know? Yes. I am um, at your disposal. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan-Ramcharan.com. 
And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know it truly is. Share me. Share me now. Share me now. Share me now. So to kick it off today, I want to talk to you all about um, the recent Ontario provincial election in Ontario province, Canada. Yes. The election day was June 2nd, 2022, and the results are <laughs> like my homework, overdue. But, um, you know, the results have been in, and uh, but this is my first chance to talk about it. And, you know, it's a politics and governmental dildos are an ever-stretching shit stain on the underpants of society. So we can get into it. Doesn't matter. It's a little post-due. But, as I said. So, this is an article from CP24.com. Ontario has re-elected Doug Ford. This is, this is what he promised to do. It's the name of the, tar- this is the name of the article. Doug Ford's progressive conservatives were handed a second mandate in Ontario Thursday night. Members of provincial parliament won't officially return to the legislature until September 8th, but when they do, they will likely hit the ground running, aiming to get as much done in the first year in office before having to think about re-election yet again. See, like I said, politics and politicking is a ever-stretching shit stain on the undergarments of society. You know? It's, it's a real shit slide. You know? Here's what they promised. Affordability. The PCs soft launched their election campaign with license plate renewal fee rebate and the promise of a six-month gas and fuel tax. In their 2022 budget, they acted as their re-election platform. They also promised to increase eligibility for the low-income families, individuals, tax credit to 50000 and create a tax credit aimed at seniors who still live at home and received home care. So the PCs, the progressive conservatives, they campaigned on platforms such as affordability, License plate renewal fee rebate. Um, you know, some $50,000 tax credit aimed at seniors and low-income individuals and families and smaddly, smaddly, and badly, badly, boodly, bippity, boppity, fucking boo. You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to believe or care or pay attention to anything them dickheads do this day and age, you know? politicians their next uh platform agenda highways and transit ford has been learning leaning into his now brand as a builder over the last month committing to spending 25 billion over 10 years to support highway expansion projects in ontario including highway 413 the bradford bypass and the expansion of highway 401 the PCs have also said they would eliminate double fares when transferring to GO stations. 
Go Transit. This will impact most local systems, with the exception of Toronto, which I hail out of, so I mean, this has nothing to even do with me. Ford will continue to champion the Ontario Line, a new 15-stop subway in downtown Toronto. Whatever the hell that means, I, I don't know, I haven't heard anything about that. Housing. The PC's budget promises to build 1.5 million homes over the next 10 years. Few details have been provided about how much these housings will be considered affordable units. The government previously implemented a 20% non-credit and yada 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 and sold the long day war on. Uh, I watched the political debate. I went and voted. Now as a performer, you know, I shall never stifle my actual beliefs as a stand-up comedian, performer. Why should I hide it? You know, I'm entitled to my opinion as long as I respect others and, you know, live my life in the Christ love. Do unto others as you will have done unto yourself. I ain't mad at it, yeah? I ain't mad at you. Do whatever the hell you want to do. You know, I ain't in other people's business. So, you know, while I don't shy away from, you know, giving my opinion, um, I definitely ain't gonna lay it out for you in black and white, like what I vote for, who I stand for. I mean, whatever, you can deduce it from how I talk. But basically, I was going over some of my previous... um podcasts, you know, JR the P. This is episode 219. And there's been some growth and some change in my outlook and my worldview. And I had a recent uh, listener, very nice listener, posted on a uh, previous episode I did. This was episode 95, I believe. Episode 95 Joker for Prime Minister. And in that episode, I was covering the federal Canadian election of 2019. Check it out when you get the chance. But a lot of my political leanings have changed since then. A lot have remained the same, you know. Um, Basically put, the government doesn't care about you. You can bitch and squawk and bellyache till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, it's your life. Now, sure, they can sprinkle a few dimes in your pocket, your own tax dollars saved, by implementing little tax credits and rebates and this and that and whatever to appease the people. But at the end of the day, it's your life. The government ain't going to do nothing for you. So when they champion and campaign on these pillars of change and strength and unity and blah, 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 blah. They're just pundits pontificating windbags up on a fucking ego trip, loving themselves in the public eye. And at the end of the day, it's your life. You got to figure it out. And the more government has their grip on you, the more they control you and the less your individual freedom and your own 
inherent gifts are available to you. You get stifled. You get smothered. It's bad for business. It's bad for the individual. It promotes a a phony baloney sense of comfort when it's like truth is as truth and plain as the nose on your face. You know? It's as plain as the nose on your face. You know? We live in a world of cynicism motivated by self-interest. Nobody really cares. And if somebody says that they care about you, generally speaking, you know, when some stranger, politician, pop star, whatever, jumps in front of a camera, a podcaster, and exclaims to love you and care about you and this and that and whatever, they have their own agenda and they're motivated by self-interest. It is cynical to the core. The best we can do is to do unto others as we will have done unto ourselves. Love thy neighbors, they love thyself. Mind your own fucking business. Mind your own beeswax. So basically, I am leery, weary, untrusting of any government um, intervention. Fuck them. All right? Though I do have... a belief in tolerance with a somewhat contradicting belief in bold truth. You know? The bold truth of a situation and the tolerance of a situation. They're often in contradiction, butting heads, you know? Like, for example, um, you know, yeah, on one hand, it's like, yes, we do have a somewhat social obligation to watch out for people in society that are afflicted and are down on their luck and can't quite do for themselves due to personal circumstance. But yet, on the other hand, the bold truth of it is a lot of them are drug addicts they claim to have mental health issues when they're really just undeveloped adults who need to take accountability for themselves, drop their anger and resentments, get on with their lives. And a lot of them are like a drain on the social fabric, you know? Drunks, drug addicts, sexual deviants, roaming the streets, begging, panhandling, you know? Mental episodes, violence, I mean, fuck them, you know? If they can't get it together, maybe we should just throw them in the slammer and lock away the key. But we do have a tolerance to at least consider them and try to reach out to them on some level. You see what I mean? As I aforementioned, governmental politicking issues are a ever-stretching shit stain on the undergarments of society. It's a real fuck stain. Not exactly easy to know what to do all the time. So as I was going back over these previous episodes of J.R. the P, and as I aforementioned, episode 95, Joker for Prime Minister, got a recent comment from a listener. They enjoyed the episode. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, I was going over the 2019 federal election here in Canada. I've noticed that here we are, the 2022 provincial election of 
Ontario, and my political beliefs have changed quite a bit. I've grown quite a bit in my accountability and in my reasoning, I would like to say. So, um, I don't know. Peruse that episode. Um, episode number 95, Joker for Prime Minister. Episode 95, J.R. the P. Check it out when you get the chance. Weigh it against what you've heard from me in previous days. You know, within the last year or so of J.R. the P. Changed quite a bit from 2019 to present day. And um, But the main thing is, like, what I've seen and what was blatantly true during this whole pandemic is just obvious as the day is long. Plain as the nose on your face. You know? Government don't give a fuck about you. They want to control you. They want to use you as um, useful dummies, useful idiots. They just want your vote. They'll promise you the moon, but give you a, you know, shit sandwich. They don't give a dog fuck about you. It's all cynical and self-centered to the core. The best we can do is, you know, love thy neighbors. We love thyself. Do unto others who will have done unto ourselves. Mind our own business. We cannot count on the government for anything. They are unaccountable. They're just dummies and dildos and doorknobs and fucking business suits and businesswoman suits who clomp around in high-heeled shoes and leather loafers. And every lunch hour, they squat down into a mahogany wood bathroom stall, whip down their trousers or mini skirts to shat out a $35 shit that was paid for on the taxpayer dime. These dummy dildo dickhead doorknob ignoramuses don't know a damn thing. Fuck them. And the Mercedes-Benz they rolled in on. They are thieving, cynical psychos. And if you haven't seen that as being clear as the day is long in these last fucking months and years of the coronavirus pandemic, I don't know what you're saying. I truly don't. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on politics and politicking? The latest thing in Ontario here is they've implemented a right to disconnect act. Some sort of legislated blah, 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 that gives the worker the right to disconnect in the workplace. Some mumbo-jumbo about how the worker has the right to disconnect from company emails, phone calls, X, Y, and Z, after um, certain working hours. I haven't even bothered to read into it because it can suck my fucking dick. All right, it's just bullshit BS in an ever-encroaching grip on your liberty. Just hogwash. It truly is. But anyways, hit me up with your opinions on politics and politicking. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. That was nice.
So I want to talk to you all about um, further today the classic film considered one of the greatest films ever made, Taxi Driver, starring Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese. I recently watched this and um, got me kind of jazzed up to speak about it. So um, some of this information here is from wikipedia.org. Make sure to donate. (laughs) So Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is a 1976 American film directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader, and starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Sybil Shepard, Harvey Keitel, Peter Boyle, Leonard Harris, and Albert Brooks. Set in a decaying, morally bankrupt New York City following the Vietnam War, the film follows Travis Bickle, De Niro's character, a taxi driver and veteran, and his deteriorating mental state as he works nights in the city. Yeah, it's a great film and it has these has like a dreamlike quality to it which Scorsese was going for and it touches on films such touches on themes of isolation loneliness mental health deterioration the grime and grit of a urban city the underbelly the nightlife you know the perversity of it all the seduction of it all it touches on things of like politics, touches on things of, um, you know, a cynical angst in the midst of people. The loneliness and cynical soul amidst. The mob of people in a city. You know, you see Daenerys' character driving around and, you know, he's just people, people, people. It's New York City, you know, people everywhere, but just like the loneliness and the the weariness of his character, you know, you really feel it. And, you know, it's an interesting film. One of the themes as well that I realized, um, I've watched this film like 20 times now, maybe 30 times, many times over the years. And a theme that I just really first kind of picked up on, like having just just watched it recently for the first time, I kind of caught this theme. The theme of work. I mean, the film's called Taxi Driver. It's a film about a man at work driving a taxi. And, you know, opening scene's pretty cool. You know, um, you know, he goes in to apply for a job. You know? All right, what's your name? Bickle? Yeah, you're willing to drive uptown? Yeah, you're willing to drive weekends? Are you willing to work uh, Jewish holidays? You're willing to drive anywhere? 
He's just like, I work anytime, anywhere. Hey, you're going to give me some trouble, are you, Pickle? You're going to be go busting my chops, are you, wise guy? If you're going to be busting my chops, you can walk out the door right now. I don't need it. De Niro's like, no, I just, I work anytime, anywhere. And, you know, it's a great scene. And uh, that classic De Niro, you know, that intensity that he has, you know, and Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, you know? I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. Why are you guys treat me this way? <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Your mother's cunt. Your mother's cunt. <laughs> you know? Breaks your heart the way he he's able to just tap into that 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 intensity you know it's really something you know and this is some of his earlier um intensity in performing and acting taxi driver right we're seeing some of the younger de niro like 1975 1976 or some shit right you know and as I mentioned, it's about this guy just working and the isolation and the loneliness of it all. And it's just so, I don't know, I guess I relate to it. And I'm sure many people can. And, you know, another interesting thing about the character Travis Bickle. He takes an infatuation for this young lady, Sybil Shepherd, the actress Sybil Shepherd. You know, Elvis ate her pussy, apparently. Like, um, I saw her on like a Comedy Central roast. I think it might have been the roast of William Shatner. Not quite sure, or maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. I think it was William Shatner. Anyways, it was some Comedy Central roast, and you know, apparently, you know, she was getting mocked and made fun of because in her autobiography she mentioned that Elvis Presley ate her pussy you know a hubba hubba burning rubber hubba a one two three at the county jail we're caught in a trap I can't hold out because I eat that pussy baby why can't you see that eating pussy is all I want to do now, baby. <laughs> Viva Conolingus. Viva Conolingus. Viva Conolingus. You know, I guess he's eating this chick's pussy. She mentioned it in her autobiography. Fascinating, right? So anyway, she's in Taxi Driver as well. She plays the love interest of... Um, Robert De Niro's character. And it's kind of funny how time reveals things to you. And the magic of the movies get illuminated even more as you live life and you, you kind of understand things to be true. Or you, you kind of see the fuller scope. Because in the film... He walks into a campaign office. He's just been, he's like, he's like, he parks his cab outside of her work and he's just like watching her at work. And she even notices, she's like, 
what's that taxi driver doing just watching me all the time? She says that to like one of her friends at work. And then eventually he walks in and asks her out on a date. He goes, he walks in and, and just how insane that is. And I never even thought of that before. When I used to watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a movie, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy. It's like, no, that's actually kind of crazy to be like lurking out somebody, outside somebody's work. And then eventually go in and ask him out. I mean, it's a pretty intense thing to do. And as she's talking to him, you know, it's like this is their first date. This is like maybe the second time they ever spoke. It's their first date. They're out at a coffee shop. And he's sitting there and he's looking at her. And he goes, that man you work with, I think he's silly. I don't like him. It's not that he's silly. I just think he's stupid. I don't like him. I don't want you to see him anymore. What an insane thing to say. And I remember the first... I ne- that never even crossed my mind when I first watched the movie. Like, to take somebody on a date, the first thing you say to them is like, the people you know, I don't like them. They're silly. I don't want you to see them. Like, how controlling, possessive, and just maniac is that? Right? And then she goes... Um, what does she do? She goes, uh, you know... I don't think I've ever met anybody quite like you. You remind me of that song by Christopher Christofferson. Or you're a walking contradiction. That was a very key element to his character as well, the Travis Bickle character. Very key. Because, again, that's something I never really noticed in times past watching the film. And the character is a complete contradiction. Um, his vigilantism for the and his disdain for the underbelly of society the pimps, the drug users the the you know, the injustice of um, bureaucratic war you know, he's a Vietnam War vet, I guess right? All that he stands against, yet the contradiction of the man is he he himself is a bit of a scumbag and a violent predator. You know, the way he interacted with that girl and how he took her to a date and he, he was just controlling and piggish. He took her to like a smut film. He's like, what? A lot of couples go to these type of movies. I thought it was a... I didn't know he wouldn't like to go to a smut film. Like He took her to a fucking porno for their first date. And, you know, that's a line that she uses. She, she calls him a contradiction. And... That's the first time I really clued into that. And when you watch the film, you get that sense. He, he is a contradiction. And um, in a sense, that's like the quintessential anti-hero. You know, the anti-hero is a contradiction. A person with such, you know, likable characteristics, yet there's a bit of an underbelly to them bit of a dark side you know the anti-hero so 
And Paul Schrader, the writer, um, he's worked on various films with Scorsese. Some notable ones are um, Raging Bull and The Last Temptation of Christ, and as well, Taxi Driver. And Paul Schrader, he himself is a beast. The dialogue, the script, such an interesting character, interesting world, and very gritty. And um, that's a name that I've always known about ever since I started getting into enjoying a film and being an actor, performer myself. I heard that name from the beginning, from the jump. Everyone, you know, like Paul Schrader. Very great writer and just like a real grit. And paired very nicely with Scorsese. And, you know, his accolades, I don't have to sing them. Y'all know, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, you know, all the all the many films he's done with De Niro, all the many films he's done with um, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, um, The Aviator. Um, did a couple other, Gangs of New York. He's got an upcoming one with De Niro and... Um, DiCaprio He likes them D words Them D actors You know them DiCaprio De Niro You know um, But anyway You know Scorsese I don't have to sing his praises And You know It really Is Captivating film and as I speak about it now, that line that the Sybil Shepherd character, you know, the chick who got ate out by Elvis, um, the Sybil Shepherd character, her character's line to Robert De Niro, um, you're a contradiction, you're a walking contradiction, something like that. It's a very key element to the film. I've come to learn after many years of enjoyment. Then you got the Jodie Foster character, little hooker. You know, the Heidi Harvey Keitel character, her pimp. It's really raw and edgy stuff, folks. So, um, wanted to express that. Taxi Driver. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's one of the greatest films, man. Yeah, so that was just a quick little recommend from me. Um, I recently got a chance to rewatch that film after seeing it, after having not seen it for a few years. And, um, one of the classic films, one of the ones that, um, you definitely got to catch when you can, right? So, Taxi Driver, a must-see. Water break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Oh, yeah. So if you're a returning guest at JRP, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, I am an actor extraordinaire. Yes. And um, as I mentioned there, Taxi Driver, I mean, that was one of the first films oh, amongst one of the, well, not the, you know, when you first get into acting, schmacting, at least for me, what I did was I started to go and study the greats. 
you know, I always wanted to know where classic lines came from, you know? You know, you hear classic lines like, um, you know, say hello to my little friend and um, whatever, you know. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Show me the money. And, um, you know, you go back to the fucking old days, like, I'm trying to think of like some James Stewart ones comes to mind from. Hey, I want to live. I want to live. Oh, gee, Gladys, why do we have all those kids? You know, it's a wonderful life. You know, a Christmas story. And Hey, I want to live. You know, talk about living stuff. You know, so. You, you want to learn all these classic lines. Well, in Taxi Driver, there was a classic line, you know. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? Well, I'm the only one else here. Are you talking to me? Well, who the hell are you talking to? <laughs> De Niro. And apparently he improvised that line. You know, um, they were trying to, I don't know, get some different coverage, some different takes for editing purposes. And I, I guess he just improvised that. Are you talking to me? You talking to me? You, you talking to me? Well, who the hell else are you talking to? So that was great. And, um, you know. But um, in my acting journey as of late, um, I noticed I've been having these strange dreams. You know, where it's like I... Um, these dreams where it's like... The first dream I had as of late was like, I was old. I was old. I was like 90 or something really old and it was just clear that the acting days were done I was like trying to memorize a script or something and I was like in work and development in a deal to play a part in something I don't know what it was a play or a film or something and I was talking with the director and talk it was like there was an issue like Am I too old for the part? I was like 90 years old. I'm just like... Out, damn spot. <coughs> Out, I said. I'm like mumbling lines and shit. I couldn't read. And I was squinting and hobbling around. And I couldn't remember the lines. And it was like I was just too damn old. And it was clear that it was done. Breaks your heart, you know. A real sad kind of a dream. Then I had another dream, just like, uh, actually I think it was last night, I just woke up from it a couple hours ago, I had a dream where it was like, it was like back in high school, I was producing like a high school play, and apparently it was a big deal, like, I mean apparently I could get nominated for an award or something, you know, so it was like this big deal high school play, high school musical or something. And I was like the star of it, and I was also directing it. And we're having like our first rehearsal. And I was over at like Costco or, I don't know, like the grocery store, getting like um, snacks for the cast, you know, like brownies and muffins and gummy bears and licorice whips and shit, right? And I was like having a debate because like I saw that there was like an open package of chocolate brownies 
giant tub of them for like twelve forty nine, but because the package was open, it was on a discount twelve forty nine. So then I thought to myself, well, I might as well grab that because the unopened package would have been like fifteen ninety nine. So I was like, well, I might as well save two fifty. And again, this was high school in the dream. But then even in the dream, I'm like, well, you know, I can't feed my cast like opened packaged food, right? I can't feed my cast food that's been already opened from a package. So I was like, no, I better get the unopened package for $15.99. I don't know what the fuck that means. But anyways, I, <gasps> I wake up from the dream, right? It was all a dream. And in that high school dream where it's like I'm buying groceries for the cast. And then also in the dream where it's like I'm an old man and I'm too old to act. One dream, I'm in the sprite of youth. And then the other dream, I'm in the annals of old age. But both times when I woke up in the dream, I'm like, fuck it. Two tears in a bucket, motherfucker. it. Like, that's the game of acting. You don't know, boy. You don't know. And so much is dependent upon luck and the game and the way you play it and the roll of the dice and fate. And much is dependent upon being ready for the opportunity. You have to maintain your health. You have to maintain your chops. You got to be stage ready at the drop of the hat when you get that call. Hello? Jonathan Steven Spielberg, we want you for E.T. Part 2. <gasps> really? Oh, my God. And, like, I get cast as, like, E.T. Ooh. You know? Wouldn't that be something if, like, I got to play E.T. in, like, E.T. Squared? Or, like, E.T. 2? The Terrestrial 2? E.T.? Wow. Right? So... You gotta be ready for lightning when lightning strikes. But then again, lightning is a random fucking occurrence. Right? And at the end of the day, who gives a shit? That's what we sign up for as an actor. You know? It's what you sign up for. It's part of the deal. The, uh, the unknowing. So, you guys gotta sit tight. Keep occupied, keep busy, and um, just to try to enjoy the the road and the journey. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ram Charan, actor extraordinaire. Yeah, I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. And the juices are flowing. And the juices are percolating, you know, back at it, you know, writing, keeping my mind on that, seeing what the next step is forward, you know. Recently dropped a comedy special, right? So after that, you kind of, you know, sit back on your haunches and see what happens. So now the juices are flowing and I'm getting back to the writing and the thought process and the work of, um, you know, stand-up comedy and Addressing these challenging times post-pandemic where it's like, how do you gain entry? How do you serve the audience? 
how do you get yourself out there? So just adjusting to the new realities of this post-pandemic world and some of my old realities as a fucked up hack, right? Um, I was walking down the street the other day and um, I saw a billboard for Cam H. Now, whatever Cam H stands for, I don't really know. But what it is, is it's a provincial health provider or like mental asylum, something or other, crazy house in Toronto, Ontario. Cam H, it's like a mental health asylum facility, lockup, prison, fucking loony bin, Cam H. And Cam H has been putting out a string of these fucking advertisement these billboards on um mental health and loving yourself and like little self affirmations you should whisper to yourself in order to you know keep a clear mind or some shit or to love yourself or to heal your mental health issues i was walking down the street the other day and i saw one that said repeat three times out loud i am worthy of love and Respect. Picture of a sunrise in like two lesbians making out. Really odd. Repeat three times out loud. I am worthy of love and respect and lesbian sex. Right? It was like a picture of a sunrise and these two lesbians like making out or some shit. Right? Repeat three times out loud. I am worthy of respect and love. Love and respect. Well, apparently not me. You know, I said it once and this chick standing next to me was like, ah, she picked her dog up and went running. You know, she picked her little dog up and and picked him up and took off running, you know, because I repeated it out loud, right? I'm like, I am worthy of love and respect. Ah, Picks her dog up, takes off running. I guess I startled her, you know. And it's like, I don't know who they think these fucking mental health issue campaigns are helping. You know, if anything, it's hurting. You know, like they're promoting what? Talking to yourself? Talk to yourself three times daily. I am worthy of love and respect. Right, Jonathan? Yes, Jonathan. I am worthy of love and respect. I am worthy of love and respect. Right, Jonathan? Did you hear that? Oh, I heard it. Yes. Yes, Jonathan speaking to Jonathan. I am worthy of love and respect. I'm not mentally ill. So, um, I don't know. Starting place for a joke at any rate, right? There's a little bit of funny fodder in there. And I'll, you know, dig on that. You know, um, that might get a couple laughs or two if I whip that out on stage. Especially in Toronto, seeing as, you know, these campaign billboards are like everywhere in Toronto. So, you know, might be a little regional joke that I might be able to spit at an an upcoming gig should I get out of the house to do one. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramtran, actor, comedian, extraordinaire. Well, that about does it for another episode of J.R. the P. Don't quite know what I thought about this episode. There were some good things. There were some bad things. I was actually kind of falling asleep at points. If you saw me, I was kind of like, You know, I just went for a run, worked out, you know. Well, I didn't go for a run. I skipped some rope. I 
did some arm curls and some sit-ups and, you know, trying my best to be engaging here. But you know what? I am worthy of love and respect. And that's what we're rocking with here at JRP. Thank you very much for your listenership and your viewership. Till next time, folks. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Signing out from duty on this magnificent June 13th. Monday the 13th. In the year of our Lord. 2022. Yeah. Um, politics, man. Like I said, it's an ever-stretching shit stain on the undergarments of society. Has your political thoughts and leanings changed in this post-pandemic world? Taxi Driver, starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Harvey Keitel, Albert Brooks, Sybil Shepard. It's a banger, you know? Written by Paul Schrader. Classic. Acting, schmacting, stand-up comedy. You know the game, baby. You know the deal. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. That's right. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace.